Sermon 8 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. And that you may know what the excellent greatness of his power is towards us believers, according to the working of the mightiness of his strength, which he uttered in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him to sit at his right hand in the heavenly places, above all principality and mightiness and power and lordship, and above all names that are named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he hath put all things under the feet of him, and set him over all things to be the head of the church, which is the body of him which filleth all in all. I began to tell you this morning how God hath sufficiently declared unto us that if we have and possess his only Son, Jesus Christ, we have the full perfection of all good things, so as if we cast our eye upon him, we may see all that is to be wished, and therefore that although there be many things blameworthy in us, yea, and that we find nothing but frailty in ourselves, yet we shall have a sure and substantial stud to lean unto, in that our Lord Jesus Christ calleth us to him, and telleth us that the things which he hath received of God his Father are common to us, and that although we enjoy them not as yet to the full, yet we cannot be disappointed of them. To be short, I told you also that our Lord Jesus Christ is set at the right hand of God his Father, to the end that we might be sure that all things are under his hand, and that he rules the whole world, and that all good things are of him, and he is able to disappoint all annoyances, insomuch that if we be under his protection we may defy the devil and all our enemies." And now, to the intent, we should learn to content ourselves the better with Jesus Christ alone, and not wander here and there, as we be wont to do, St. Paul addeth expressly that he was set above all mightiness, sovereignty, principality, and power. No doubt, but that he meaneth the angels, howbeit he hath used this manner of speech to hold us the better to our Lord Jesus Christ, that no fancy might turn us from him as if he should say that God have imparted some portion of his glory, dignity, and power among the angels, yet doth it no whit diminish that which he hath given to Jesus Christ, and therefore we shall find in him all things that are needful, so as we need not to gad here and there for them, neither is it lawful to join any companion with him, because all preeminence and whatsoever else may be thought or devised to be most noble and excellent is there, that is to say, in our Lord Jesus Christ, and he only is to be sought unto, as Paul himself saith also in the first to the Colossians. For it is not now late that the world hath sought occasion to turn away from our Lord Jesus Christ, under colour of seeking to the angels of heaven. We see how God's creatures are always drawn to some superstition, and men make idols of them, because God executeth his sovereignty by the angels, and they be, as it were, his hands, his officers, and his instruments. That is the cause why men think themselves to have done much in betaking themselves to St. Michael, or to St. Gabriel, or to I wot not whom else. For, as I said, it is not a vice newly devised. The devil, who is the father and author of lying, hath entangled men at all times with such fancies. Yea, and even the Christians have followed the example of the heathen men's doings in that behalf. For the heathen men have always surmised the angels to be as half-gods, 
and thought to have them as their mediators whereby to come unto God, because they were not worthy of themselves. And even after the same manner talk the papists at this day. Now the selfsame abominations began to be builded upon the earth, even in St. Paul's time. For that cause he showeth that it is not lawful to match anything with Jesus Christ, but that although the angels be magnified, and be called virtues, powers, lordships, and dominations, and men give them what other titles they list, yet must they stoop and be inferior to the head, and the chief dignity must be reserved to God's Son, because that all knees must bow before him, not only of worldly creatures, but also of heavenly we see then that the cause of St. Paul's packing together of so many words in this place to express the angels withal is that we should the better be held to our Lord Jesus Christ and rest wholly upon him without wandering one way or other under pretense that the angels have excellent and noble gifts. And so we see, and may gather upon this strain, that all the dotage of the popedom in imagining of patrons, advocates, and mediators unto God sprang up every whit of it, of none other cause than for want of knowing of our Lord Jesus Christ, and of the things given unto him by God his Father. For we have no mind to repose ourselves upon him, unless we know to what end he has come. But the papists have, on the one side, imagined themselves to be separated from our Lord Jesus Christ, not knowing that he is become our brother, to the end we should repair familiarly unto him. And on the other side, they have robbed him of his office, which is allotted him in the Holy Scripture, and make but a dead thing of it. So much the more, therefore, behoveth it us to mark well these sayings, that we be made all one, and gathered together into one body with the angels of heaven and with the holy fathers that lived under the law, and that we and all the prophets, apostles, and martyrs must with one common accord glorify our common head, Jesus Christ, and resort unto him, that he must be set up on high for every man to look at, and that we must not willfully put blindfoldings before our eyes, but take away all impediment that his glory be not in any wise dimmed. The very means, then, to overcome all lets that Satan casts in our way to stop us from coming to Jesus Christ is to consider that there is no dignity or worthiness in the whole world, neither above nor beneath, which is not made to stoop to the end we should all of us be joined unto him with one accord. Thus you see in effect what we have to gather upon this text. True it is that by those words we be done to understand also that God distributeth offices among his angels as pleaseth him, so as one hath a greater charge than another. Yet notwithstanding, it is not in our power to know how the case standeth with them. Yet notwithstanding, it is not in our power to know how the case standeth with them. Let us be contented to know it according to the measure of our faith, and only give ear to God's word, and in all soberness learn of him without giving bridle to our own fond curiosity, as a number do, whom we see disputing finely of the angels, as though every of them would be marshal of God's house, to place every of the angels according to his degree. For there is not a more devilish malapertness than to babble in that sort of God's secrets, further than God hath made us privy to them by his word. Therefore let us hold ourselves contented that the angels, how noble soever they be, are ordained to be the ministers of our welfare by means of Jesus Christ. 
and whensoever we intend to have the familiarity or acquaintance and help of them, let us not do as the papists do, which have their peculiar prayers to make unto them, but let us repair to Jesus Christ, for by that means shall all things become common between them and us. When having spoken of the church, we say, I believe the communion of saints. It is certain that the angels are comprehended therein seeing that God employeth them to do us service. And why doth he so? It is not for that we be worthy of it, but because he hath gathered us all together unto Jesus Christ. That, therefore, is the very bond of concord and brotherhood between us and the angels. Now hereupon St. Paul addeth that Jesus Christ hath obtained a name, that is to say a majesty, which is above all names, as well in heaven as in earth. Here St. Paul showeth us briefly that all our wisdom is to know the benefits that are brought unto us by the Son of God, and which we possess in him alone, so our faith be settled wholly upon him, according as it is said in the Acts of the Apostles, that there is none other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. For, as I told you this morning, inasmuch as God is incomprehensible and dwelleth in light, which we cannot approach unto, as St. Paul termeth it, Jesus Christ must, as it were, step in betwixt him and us, to the end we may press boldly unto him, and to know that he is not far distant, nor far separated from us. Wherefore, let us mark that whereas here is mention made of name, it is because God will be known in the person of his only Son. It is said here withal, that there are not many Godheads, as touching the essence or being, we have but only one God, and yet in Jesus Christ we have the lively and express image of the Father, so as there we find whatsoever is expedient and requisite for our salvation. It is said that we ought to glory in our knowing of the only one God, but yet that is accomplished in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, because that when men go about to seek God, they enter into a terrible maze, unless Jesus Christ be their way and leader. Thus we see now whereat St. Paul aimed. And it is added also that the same is not only for this world, but also for the other whereby is meant that the knowledge which we have of Jesus Christ will suffice us for the heavenly life. Now it should seem at the first blush that there is some contrariety between this text and that which is said in the 15th chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians. For there he saith that at the latter day when the world shall be judged, our Lord Jesus Christ shall yield up the kingdom to God his Father, of whom he holdeth it. And here he saith that Christ is established in all authority, yea, even for the world to come. But these two agree very well. For whereas he saith that Jesus Christ hath a name above all names, and that he is the image of God his Father, that is because of our rudeness and infirmity, according also as when he is called God's lieutenant, that is because we could not be in rest except we knew that God hath his hands stretched out to succour us at our need. And we perceive that the better in Jesus Christ, inasmuch as he is come near unto us and is become our brother. God then doth not so reign by the means of Jesus Christ that he should give over his own office and sit idle in heaven himself. It were a lewd dotage to think so. And truly we see how our Lord Jesus Christ speaketh thereof in the 15th of St. John. My father and I, saith he, have always our hand at work. And truly we see how our Lord Jesus Christ speaketh thereof in the 5th of St. John. My father and I, saith he, have always our hand at work. 
There he showeth that the ordaining of him to be ruler of the world was not to the end that the Father should in the meanwhile sit unoccupied in heaven, but it is said so in respect of us to the intent that we should not doubt but that God is continually near at hand to us when we seek him in faith. At the latter day and after the judgment we shall have new eyes, as saith St. John, and forasmuch as we shall be like unto God and be transfigured into his glory, we shall see him as he is, which thing we cannot do now, because we have two dull wits. Therefore it is enough for us now that we behold him as in a glass and darkly, as saith St. Paul, and that we know him in part. You see then that the yielding up of the kingdom by our Lord Jesus Christ unto God his Father is that we shall behold God's majesty and substance, which is incomprehensible to us as now. For we shall have our nature changed, and we shall be new-fashioned in the heavenly glory, and we shall be quite and clean, rid of all the corruption wherewith we be compassed about as now. And yet for all this it is not meant that Jesus Christ shall be abased, for he shall be then much better in his perfection, according as it is said in the third to the Colossians, that our life is hid in God with Jesus Christ, and that when Jesus Christ appeareth, then shall our life be discovered likewise. To be short, when we become to the sovereign bliss that is purchased for us, then shall we have the thing that lieth as yet but in hope, and Jesus Christ shall gather all things to himself, so as we shall be then partakers of his glory every man according to his own degree and measure. Thus ye see how these two texts agree very well, namely that God hath given Christ a name above all names, and also that he shall yield up the kingdom to God the Father. And why? For we shall then see his heavenly majesty, which we be not able to conceive as now, because we be fleshly. Also we shall perceive that whereas Jesus Christ is appeared unto us a mortal man, he hath been so glorified in his human nature, that in very deed he is God, of one self-same substance with his Father. This, say I, shall be fully known then, whereas now we have but a little shadow of it. Further, let us learn that when Jesus Christ was exalted by God his Father, it was to the end that his advancement should serve to our everlasting salvation. And therefore, in the ninth of Isaiah, he is called the Father of the world to come, to the end we might know, not only that he is given unto us for this transitory life, but also that the substance of the faith which is grounded in him is in heaven, and that there we shall feel the fruit of the thing that is now hidden, and which we taste as yet but in part, and that we shall enter into full possession of all the goods that are given to him already. Thus ye see why St. Paul hath purposely made express mention of the world to come. He addeth immediately that God hath put all things under his feet, and made him head of the church above all things. His speaking here of the subjection of the whole world is to show that whatsoever thing we have need of, if we can resort to our Lord Jesus Christ, he is able to succour us, for he hath wherewith to do it. Yea, and we must mark well how it is said in the eighth psalm, that God hath care of all things, yea, even unto the sheep, to all the birds of the air, and to the fishes of the sea. To be short, all creatures are put under his feet. And to what end? For the Holy Ghost meant to draw us thereby as little babes, and to show that the spiritual benefits, which we ought to have in greatest estimation, are communicated to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. 
His saying then is that we might not eat one bite of bread, save in respect that we be members of Jesus Christ. For it is all one as if he intended to train us up higher by an ABC, as in much as all things are given to our Lord Jesus Christ, with condition that if we be members of his body indeed, all things that he hath do belong unto us, and that if we separate not ourselves from him, he will hereafter make us partakers of far higher and excellenter goods. That is to wit, that we shall be named God's children, and be taken so to be, and become the temples of his Holy Ghost. And what a thing is that? What a thing is it that we may come freely unto him and call upon him boldly as our father? What a thing is it to be enriched again with the gifts that we were bereft of by the sin of Adam? What a thing is it to be matched in fellowship with the angels instead of being under the tyranny of Satan and under the thraldom of sin? How can we have these so high and noble things, since we cannot claim so much as a morsel of bread as our own, without theft, saving in that we be members of our Lord Jesus Christ? Now then, we see whereat St. Paul aimed in saying that all things are made subject to our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, let us learn now to give God thanks in the name of his only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, whom he hath sent not only to feed and nourish our bodies, but also to be food to our souls, that they may live everlastingly. And by that means, let us learn to inure ourselves to acknowledge that our Lord Jesus Christ hath wherewith to succour all our necessities. Then if the devil make so violent assault upon us, as we may be afraid of utter quailing, let us understand that our Lord Jesus Christ hath an invincible fortress wherewith to defend us against him, and armies wherewith to make us invincible in all battles. Therefore, when we be weak, let us resort to his strength. When we want any grace, let us desire him to give us what he thinketh necessary. When our enemies play the mad beasts, and it seemeth that we should be quiet and clean swallowed up, as it were, in gulfs, let us beseech our Lord Jesus Christ to hold us under his protection, and to hold Satan as if he were chained with all his upholders, so as he suffer us not to be overcome of them. Ye see then how all things were made subject to our Lord Jesus Christ, not for his own use, for what need hath he of them, but for our sakes, to the end he should give us whatsoever he knoweth to be for our behoof, and that we also should learn to seek all things at his hand, and that when he seeth our enemies have the advantage of us, he should repress them, as he well can. Furthermore, whereas St. Paul saith here that he was ordained head in the church, or over the church, in all things, it is a continuing in his matter to bring us wholly to Jesus Christ. As if he should say, it is true that God's gracious gifts are dealt abroad, yea, and that the angels and mortal men also may be ministers of them unto us. But yet, howsoever the case stand, we must always resort to the wellhead. The veins that are dispersed throughout the whole body may well give strength to every part, for they be, as it were, the conduit pipes of the blood. But yet, howsoever the world go, the brain must always be the wellspring of life. It is well to be seen that in a tree the sap is spread throughout, and yet notwithstanding, albeit that the root ascend not up to give nourishment to every branch and leaf, all the nourishment cometh of the root. And if any man would say that the whole tree is maintained alive by any one branch, the clean contrary is seen. It is true that a great bough may well give nourishment to the branches and twigs that are about it. But is it meet that that should prejudice the root therefore? No, surely, 
no more than the members of a man's body ought to prejudice the head, though every member do his duty. Here St. Paul saith that our Lord Jesus Christ was given to the church to be her head above all things, as if he should say, It behoveth us all to resort unto him. In this case there is neither St. Paul nor St. Peter, nor the Virgin Mary, nor St. Michael, that have aught of their own. For they are all needy and hungry, saving so far forth as Jesus Christ filleth them, and therefore all of them, as well the great as the small, must be fain to draw out of his plenty. And that is the cause why that in the selfsame text which I alleged out of the first to the Colossians, St. Paul saith, It pleased God the Father that all plenty or fullness should dwell in him. For the title of head is not only a style of fleeting honour, but it serveth to express the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, so much the better. Therefore, like as a natural head not only hath superiority and preeminence above the whole body, but also yieldeth nourishment to the whole, and keepeth the man alive, even so is it between our Lord Jesus Christ and us, insomuch that all should go to wreck, if we depended not upon him. Although, say I, it seem that we have received right excellent gifts at God's hand already, yet notwithstanding, all is but wind and smoke, unless we hold out in the union of our Lord Jesus Christ. Herewithal it behoveth us to note also that, inasmuch as Christ is called a head, it is meet that all others should obey him, and that we should yield unto his doctrine, that he may rule all things as the head ruleth all the rest of the man's body. For the feet go, and the hands stir, and to be short, there is no part which is not willing and forward to do whatsoever the head shall appoint it. The like must be done in the church. Jesus Christ must rule, and all men must quietly obey him. And so we have to mark in this text first that our salvation doth so depend upon Jesus Christ, that there are neither angels nor men, how holy soever they be, which have not need to receive at his hand the things that they want in themselves. And therefore, when we stand in need of anything that is requisite, either for the present life or for the heavenly life, either for our bodies or for our souls, there is no running to St. Peter nor to St. Paul, but we must go straight to our Lord Jesus Christ. Mark that for one point. Secondly, also, let us learn to suffer ourselves to be ruled and to be held in awe by the hand of our Lord Jesus Christ, that thereby we may show ourselves to be true members of his body. And he cannot be our head, but he must needs therewithal be our shepherd too, and have all authority over us. But like as I told you that the devil hath laboured to deface the glory of God's only Son under the pretense of angels, so on the other side he hath sent us an idol into the world, to be a bar on our way, that Jesus Christ might be as it were separated from us. For the Pope is not ashamed to spew out his blasphemy that the church should be but a headless body, if he himself reigned not over it, nay, had the universal dominion of it, so as every man looked at him and his seat were above the whole world. And that is as much as if he should say that Jesus Christ hath no more to do here, but ought to hold him contented with heaven, and let his successor alone to rule in his stead. But herein we see how he overshoots himself to abolish the whole sovereignty of the Son of God. So much the more, therefore, doth it stand us on hand to bear well this text in mind, wherein St. Paul saith that Jesus Christ is appointed to be head of the church above all things. It is true that the Pope will affirm himself to be but as an underhead, and therefore that Jesus Christ is not thrust out of his place. But let us look back to that which I have touched already, which is that Jesus Christ will have no imaginative title, 
but will have his power reserved unto him, which belongeth unto him. For a head requireth not only to be set highest, but also to have all men to receive all things from him. And it behoveth us all to understand that he is the very root of our life, and the fountain from whence it behoveth us to draw, notwithstanding that he send forth his spiritual benefits and goods among us by such channels or conduits as he thinks good. Thus ye see what we have yet further briefly to bear in mind. This matter is laid forth more at large in the first chapter to the Colossians, for St. Paul showeth there that our Lord Jesus Christ was appointed to be the head even from the beginning of the world, for as much as all things were created in him, and not alonely for as much as he is our Redeemer at this day. For put the case that Adam had not fallen into the ruin wherewith he hath drawn us with him, yet had God's Son been always still as the firstborn of all creatures, not that he himself is a creature, but because he is the foundation, according also as St. Paul addeth the reason thereof, which is that in him the angels were created, and in him they have their being or abiding. Ye see then that the Son of God should not have ceased to have had all preeminence both above and beneath, though we had not fallen with our father Adam into such confusion as we be in. But now our Lord Jesus Christ must be our head after another manner, that is to wit, to make us at one again with God his Father, and to gather us together again unto him, from whom we were estranged by sin, so as he was our deadly enemy, till we were brought in favour again by means of Jesus Christ, as forgiving us our sins. And besides this, St. Paul declareth in the same text that Jesus Christ was ordained head of the church to the end that all fullness should be in him. Thus we see how we ought to be knit with the angels, with the ancient fathers, and with the prophets, with condition that our Lord Jesus Christ must nevertheless not only continue the first and chief, but also have all things referred unto him, and we communicate in such wise together that every of us keep his place, and be all members of one body, and that there be no more heads thereof but only one. For if we add any fellow to Jesus Christ, it is a bereaving him of the thing that God his Father hath given to him alone, let us be contented that he maketh us partakers of all his benefits, upon condition that we acknowledge all things to come from him, and seek all things in him. For in the five and fortieth psalm it is well showed that we are all of us fellows with Jesus Christ, and that we receive some portion of all the good things that were given unto him. But yet for all that it is not to be said that he is fellow and fellow-like with us, and that he cannot be discerned from his apostles as the papists prate in their peevish proverb, but it is to the end that we should know that none of the good things which we can wish are far from us, but that they be offered us by him, and that he is so liberal that he desireth nothing else at our hands, but that we should receive the things that are for our own welfare, according as he himself saith, Come unto me, all ye that are athirst, come drink water, yea, even without money, or money's worth, Drink your fill of water, wine, and milk. There our Lord showeth how it is he that we must resort unto, and that if we look upon him, his majesty is too high and too far off from us. Jesus Christ, therefore, must be as our means, and, and forasmuch as he has come down to us, let us also repair unto him. According as is said in the seventh of St. John, Come unto me, all ye that are athirst, and whosoever drinketh of the fountain that I will give, he shall have his belly so full that fountains of water shall flow out of him. Conditionally, that men seek faithfully in Jesus Christ for the things they have need of, he will give us not only so much as shall serve the turn of every one of us for himself, 
but also so much as we shall be able to bestow upon our neighbours too, and to succour their want. Now for a conclusion, St. Paul addeth that the church is the body and accomplishment of him that accomplisheth or performeth all things in all men. In terming the church the body of Jesus Christ, he showeth a thing that I have touched already, that is to wit, that we need not to make long windlasses or hard journeys to get the things that we have need of. For since we be united and joined to the Son of God, what require we more? We must needs grant this principle, that we have neither life nor gladness nor any good thing, but only in God alone. That being confessed, let us see by what means we may attain to him, and that is by the means of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so ye see the cause why it is said here that all fullness dwelleth in him, and that it is his charge to unite us unto God, and to draw us back from the scattering wherein we be. Therefore we cannot swerve aside one way nor other to convey any piece of that thing to St. Peter or to St. Paul, which is reserved to Jesus Christ alone, but that we must rob God of his due. True it is that we will not be a known of it, but yet shall not our hypocrisy serve to acquit us before God. We may well pretend many starting holes, but yet do we give sentence of condemnation upon ourselves in confessing that we ought to seek all our welfare at God's hand. Well then, if we allege that we be not worthy to press into God's presence, it is true, and if we ask how we may be able to fly without wings, that is true also. And if we say, then must we repair to St. Peter or to St. Paul, that we speak of our own head. For God saith the clean contrary, I send you to mine only son, saith he, for in him shall you find all that you want, and fear not that ye shall have any scarcity, if ye be once filled with the grace that I have put in him, and which abideth in him. And that is the cause why the prophet Isaiah speaketh purposely of wine, water, and milk, as if he should say, We have all fullness of life in Jesus Christ. As for those then which gad to St. Peter and to St. Paul, and will needs have patrons and mediators, they not only do wrong to Jesus Christ in cantling out the things by pieces and gobbets which is given wholly unto him, but also rob God of his honour. For since it is his will that all fullness should dwell in Jesus Christ, according as I have alleged afore, it is certain that we go about to defy him openly, when we abide not within the bounds which he hath set us, in putting us in subjection to that person which he hath given unto us, to the end that he should give us all that we have need of. But yet the thing which he addeth ought to be a greater and larger comfort to us, when he saith that the church is the accomplishment of him that accomplisheth all. Now by this word accomplishment he meaneth that our Lord Jesus Christ, yea, and also God his Father, account themselves as unperfect, except we be joined unto him. And that, as I said, is a record of God's infinite goodness, whereat a man can never marvel enough. First and foremost, God needeth not to borrow at other men's hands, for he is perfect of himself. Neither wanted he aught, even before he made the world. And when he made it, did he it for his own profit, or to his own advantage? No, it was alone to the intent that we should know his goodness, power, wisdom, and righteousness, and be witnesses of it. For he hath set us here as on a stage to the end we should see his glory in all his creatures, and yet notwithstanding he should very well forbear us. And yet notwithstanding he could very well forbear us. But put the case that God should borrow of others to perfect himself withal, and that he were like to mortal men, of whom none is able to forbear company. Put the case that God were such a one. What are we? 
what can he fare the better by being joined unto us? It is all one as if the sun were matched with a quagmire. For what have we but infection and filthiness? What are we else than things so corrupted by Adam's sin, as it is horrible to think? How then can we bring any such perfection unto God? Although there be nothing but frailty in us, although we be froward and lewd, although there be nothing in us but all manner of filth, and to be short, although we be loathly in his sight, yet notwithstanding it is his will to have us joined to him, yea, even upon condition that he should be perfected in us by his and our joining after that sort together. As if a father should say, Methinks my house is empty, when I see not my child in it. A husbandman will say, Methinks I am but half an man, when my wife is not with me. After the same manner speaketh God, that he thinks not himself full and perfect, but by gathering of us to him, and by making us all one with himself. He taketh his whole pleasure in us, and will have his glory to shine forth in us, so as his beams may shed out on all sides. And although the whole glory be in himself, yet he will have it seen how it is his will that we should have our part and portion of it. Thus you see in effect what St. Paul meant by calling the church the accomplishment of God and of Jesus Christ. Now then, can we be excused before God when we say that we cannot come at him, seeing we be his body in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ? If one of our feet, being diseased, would run, I wot not whither, and range up and down, saying, I go to seek remedy somewhere else, and for performance thereof would be cut off from the body. If, say I, that the members of a body had any understanding and discretion, and could speak after that manner, were it not a madness that the foot should say he would be rent from the body, to seek elsewhere the thing that it wanteth? Even so, when the papists and other idolaters allege that they must be fain to serve their turn by the saints, and to have diverse mediators and means to bring them to God, it is all one as if they should say, Jesus Christ is nobody, neither have we any success or entrance into him. Yea, are the members separated from the head. Of a truth St. Paul hath here accused and condemned all those of unthankfulness and unkindness, which under colour of unworthiness to come unto God, do devise themselves new means, and separate themselves from Jesus Christ, and diminish his power, and rend it in pieces. St. Paul condemneth them, for that they cannot find in their hearts to accept the benefit and privilege that is offered them in that our Lord Jesus Christ hath vouchsafed to become all one with them, as with his own body. Now let us learn to have such familiarity with our Lord Jesus Christ, as to resort unto him at all times, whensoever we be warned of our defaults and wants. Furthermore, to the intent his majesty should not be defaced thereby, St. Paul addeth that he ceaseth not to accomplish all things in all men. For we see on the one side that when men are once endued with God's gifts, they fall to trusting of themselves into his place, and would be esteemed in his stead. After that manner do we deal, and we bear ourselves in hand, that the gifts which God hath bestowed upon us freely are as a prey or booty to boast of, and to advance ourselves more than is lawful. Again, on the other side, when we hear Jesus Christ spoken of, how he was abased for our sakes, how he went down into the dungeons of death, how he vouchsafed to be subject to all reproach, it seemeth to us that we may well despise him. St. Paul, therefore, to beat down all pride, and to show that Jesus Christ was not so abased, that his glory was diminished, saith that yet nevertheless he doth all in all things." Wherefore, let us learn to receive the blessing, grace, and benefits which are given us by our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And therewithal let us acknowledge not only that we be made of nothing, and that our life is but a flightful and vanishing shadow, but also that all the virtue and excellency which we wean ourselves to have is but like a green flower, which withereth out of hand as soon as God breatheth upon it. And therefore let us not imagine ourselves to be rich, whereas we be poor. Let us not vaunt ourselves of our own free will. Let us not presume upon our own deserts, nor upon any other of the flimflams which the devil hath devised in popery. But let us draw, let us draw of the fountain that cannot be drained dry, that we may find wherewith to staunch our thirst, whensoever we be dry. Finally, there are two means whereby God doth all in all things. For like as he himself created the world, so also must all things be guided and governed by his hand. If it be demanded, who causeth the sun to rise and set every day? Who guideth the whole order of nature? Who ordereth the days, moons, and years? And who maketh the intercourse of day and night? It is God who doth all in all things. As much is to be said of all other things which we perceive in the universal government of the whole world. Therefore we must not imagine that God was a creator but for a minute of an hour, but that he doth also hold on in maintaining the things that he created. Howbeit St. Paul speaketh here of the spiritual goods which are, as you would say, the peculiar heritage of God's children. God then doth all things in us, yea, but not alone by the common order of nature, but by enlightening us with the belief of the gospel, in that he halloweth us, and cleanseth us from the vices and wicked lusts of our flesh, in that he draweth us from the world, and to be short, in that he provideth us all things requisite to our welfare and salvation. And so ye see how he doeth all in all things. As if St. Paul had declared in one word that the faithful are not anything, nor can do anything, nor have anything of themselves. Then speaketh he not here, neither of the sun, nor of the moon, nor of the trees in the fields, nor of any other fruit. Neither speaketh he of beasts, no, nor yet of men, as in respect that they be the children of Adam, but of those whom God hath begotten again by his Holy Spirit, so that whatsoever concerneth salvation, or belongeth to the heavenly life, is not to be had, but only at his hand, which hath all things in himself, and doth all in all things, as is said of him here. And therefore let us learn to empty ourselves, and to offer ourselves in sacrifice to God with true and right humility, to yield him his deserved praise, so as none of us separate ourselves from him through their own unkindness, but all of us do him such honour as to confess that we hold all of him, and that we be joined to him by our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our everlasting God, acknowledging that it is he from whom all good things come and that it is he also to whom all glory ought to be yielded and rendered. Now therefore let us cast ourselves down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgement of our sins, praying him to make us perceive them more and more, and that the same may cause us to have such a misliking in ourselves, as we may earnestly and heartily seek to give over ourselves wholly to our Lord Jesus Christ. And that forasmuch as he hath called us already to him by his gospel, we may so frame ourselves thereafter as to renounce all superstitions and to assure ourselves that all that ever we can imagine to bring us to the kingdom of heaven are but deceits of Satan, and that it is enough for us to have Jesus Christ alone to make our recourse unto.
that like as it was the Father's will to advance him on high to the intent that all men should look at him, so also we may have our eyes fastened upon him, and apply our whole minds in such wise thitherward, as we may have none other way nor preparation than by him alone, nor swerve one way nor other, but when we be once brought into the right way, hold on continually towards our mark, till we be fully come thither, that it may please him to grant this grace, not only to us, but also to all people, etc. End of Sermon 8